2: Blitz coming your way in just a moment. We'll be discussing the Caps with Nick Dowd, our guy who stops by each and every week on Grant and Danny. A lot of his teammates have been traded in the coming couple of days. Maybe another one or two will. We'll ask him about that. The Wizards will be covered with Dave Johnson. They are back in action at Cap 1 Arena tonight. And the Commanders will talk about the future of the Dan Snyder ownership with Michael Phillips. All coming up this segment on your Beltway Blitz. But right now we got Caps tickets to give away as promised. So caller number 10. Call in right now. 800-636-1067. You've got to be the 10th caller. You're winning a four-pack of tickets if you are. You're going to see the Caps and the Devils March 9th, 7 p.m. Limited tickets still available to see the Capitals at Cap 1 Arena for the remainder of the season. For more info to purchase tickets, go to washcaps.com slash tickets. Let's kick off the Beltway Blitz. I mentioned Dave Johnson, the voice of the Wiz, joins us after a big win against the Hawks. Dave, first of all, Bradley Beal was incredible in that win down the stretch. What'd you make of his outing?
3: Well, uh, not only the incredible season, I had 37 points, but, uh, you know, as I was putting together the the pregame show that you'll hear on 980 AM tonight, as I get the shameless plug in, uh, you know, his defense, drawing a, uh, offensive foul on, on Trey Young. And, and you know, that was as much a part of the storyline. Uh, shots that were not made a few days earlier in Chicago were made in Atlanta, but as much part of the storyline was defense, rebounding. And, and that's how you're going to win this time of year, and that's how you're going to get a win on the road against the Atlanta Hawks. And I, I think about this last stretch of games. There were two big character wins, in my mind, for the Wizards in Minnesota on the road before the All-Star break, and, and uh, against the Hawks on Tuesday night. So, uh, you know, we've been saying, and, I, and I've probably been boring your listeners to tears, you know, since early December. Just can we get to March and be relevant in the conversation because of the favor favorable home schedule? Well, the Wizards are relevant. They do have a very much a chance uh, now. It, it's time to put up or you know what?
4: Couple games against Toronto, team directly ahead of them in the standings, Dave. They are a game back. It uh, could be a big stretch here at this point. Started off this stretch against teams that are, are, are in the playoffs ahead of them. I think it's eight out of ten with with some teams that are right ahead of them in the standings. Nice way to start it with that win against Atlanta. Big couple against Toronto. What do they need to do to come out here with a couple Ws?
3: Well, I, you know, and you just we, we're calling it not to, to, to overstate it, but the most important week of, of the season. Yeah. I think it really is, and 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 it's not the playoffs, but it is when you think about. Okay, Toronto starts the night a game ahead of you. Uh, a game ahead of the Wizards in the standings, and there's there's two games in, in a row uh, at home against Toronto. So it's like it's like a, a playoff series if you have a, where you have the home field advantage. You have the two first two games at home. This this Raptors team, uh, the Wizards are just going to have to be ready tonight and not turn the ball over. The loss of Monte Morris uh, to a to a back injury is significant. Delon Wright, Jordan Goodwin have done well at the point guard position, but I think understated his is Monte Morris's season. You know, people say, well, you know, he's not scoring enough, da-da-da. Look at his turnover number. Look at his assist-to-turnover ratio. He's been a steadying influence all season. So the loss of uh, Monte Morris to a back injury, he's week-to-week, will be big because this Toronto team uh, leads the NBA in steals per game, 9.2 a game, and they get 20 points a game off turnovers. So it tells you right there you better you better be ready or, or they're going to smack it and that's what the raptors do and that's why they're coming off a, a february when they won eight games so they're they're feeling good about themselves the wizards better be feeling good about themselves with Christoph Porzingis uh, back tonight it it's it needs to be like a you think of it as a playoff game tonight
2: wizards are four and a half games out of being able to avoid the play in games altogether uh, they're only a game out of missing the play in tournament completely as well. I mean, how should we feel about their footing right now as team number 10 in the East?
3: Well, I think, you know, uh, it's it certainly, uh, I'm confident if, if Porzingis is now is back, uh, but I, it, it, it's anxiety-ridden. There's no question about it. We just played Chicago on Sunday and lost. Uh, and the Bulls believe they have what it takes to to salvage what has been an uh, underperforming season for them. You know, they have not had ball and, the injury is certainly a big blow to what their plans were. So, uh, you know, that's what makes this this tense. Uh, no, no, don't feel overconfident. Uh, nothing has, has been easy. So, yeah, feel good that we literally are starting March, uh, and here we go. And and in some ways, you do control your own destiny. Uh, but you know, breathing on your neck are the Chicago Bulls. So it's it's a. <laughs> It's a crazy game of musical chairs that you don't watch out. The music could stop and you could be on the wrong end. So there's no reason to be overconfident, but there's reason to be confident in how you play. Wizards have scores. Wizards have scores. It's going to come down to defense, rebounding, things like that. Little details that'll make the difference. Dave, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great call tonight.
4: Thank you. There he goes. How about a capital center, Darris? Who better to talk about the Capitals than a uh, Capital? Our buddy Nick Dowd is brought to you by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local, put our team in your office. Dowder, a lot has happened over this past week. What's it like as, as some guys on this roster, your buddies, guys you've been uh, in, in the trenches with are getting traded, man? What's it like to be on the other side?
5: Yeah, hey fellas, how you doing? Um, yeah, yeah it, it's been tough for sure. I mean, uh, I think guys get a little bit blindsided uh, when that type of stuff happens and it's tough to see guys go, especially guys that, you know, you battle with all season and, um, you know, and I think we're, we're still trying to get to where we want to get. So it's tough to see guys leave too. I mean, you, you have relationships with you know, them and their families and you see them every single day, um, you know, and then it's tough to see guys leave. you just the disappointment on their face too, right. And they have to pick up and move their family. And it, it, that's a challenging time. So,
2: it's got to be brutal. I mean, it's, it's a business, and I, it's about people. I mean, your, your best buddies with Hathaway is now in Boston, and right. for a lot of us with Lars and Orlov winning a cup, I mean, we're, we're inexplicably and in forever kind of tied to those guys as fans. I got to say, though, I am really excited about the idea of a reload with expiring contract players that might walk anyway and getting you know picks two, three years may not be a big deal, but you get one good young defenseman back, the, there's a vision here. There's a plan that this is all happening so that the team is really good again next year and the year after. Are you able to wrap your head around that and like be cool with that? Or is it just hard? Cause that's my buddy and my wife knows his wife and that kind of deal.
5: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we all understand like, you know, that it is a business and in the end, you know, we're all going to not, not be playing one day and, you know, kids will come from under us and, and, you know, fill, fill our spots and, you know, and so on. And, and, uh, in the end, I mean, you know, management has to make decisions that they believe is best for the organization. And sometimes that doesn't line up with, with our personal opinions, um, whatever that may be. But uh, I, I don't think it's something like I I think anybody and everybody on our team stays away from trying to figure out what's going on or justify those decisions. Um, you know, I think we're focused. Honestly, we're all just really focused on the present. We have San Jose coming up, uh, you know, and, and you know, yeah, we put ourselves in a tough spot, but in no means are we out of this by any chance. And I think it'd be, uh, you know, we're still pushing. I think just keep winning games, gathering points. And, you know, I just said no clue what could happen. So
2: Last time out, the Capitals late-night hockey. Tom Wilson, couple of goals last night. They got two big points. Nick Dowd and the boys are, are still scratching. There's no doubt about that. Um, as it pertains to kind of, you know, what, what lies ahead then, you know, I'm curious – just how hard that is to focus. That there are still players' names being linked to other clubs and and to trades. Like, how do you guys prioritize the present, as you said, you try to do? Uh,
5: yeah, it's tough. I mean, no question. Uh, you know, when you're, you know, every, you know, for the last forty-eight hours or seventy-two hours, every time you, you know, you get on the bus or you show up to the rink, there's someone missing or someone's getting pulled off the bus. Uh, you know, you're walking on walking in on guys in the stick room that are on the phone for the first time realizing it's been traded. I mean, it's just, it's tough, man. Uh, you know, and then you kind of just, you, you know, it's, it's a realization that maybe as players, as a group, we, um, you know, haven't got to where we needed it to get, but, uh, I think, you know, we have still have a really good core group of guys here that we've, you know, been with for a while. Um, and, uh, I think it's you know very possible for us to go on a on a on a good run here, and that's what we're you know going to attempt to put together, and just see where things go. So.
4: Nick, you've been around a minute, uh, you know, a veteran in this league, played for a lot of years at a, at, a, at a really high level. I imagine now coming down the stretch, we we might see some more guys, you know, younger players in the organization kind of get called up. Uh, for, for some opportunities which i think is good as they kind of fold in and as you said you guys are still competing for something how what's your role there, mentoring them kind of you know helping them acclimate to to, to the situation what do you say is it is it a tip here and there or is it like a sit down like danny tanner full house father son moment like how does it go
5: <laughs> yeah i mean i, I definitely think it's a sit down man I, I think that you know you want to try and uh not put uh, pressure on these kids that are coming up, right? Because, I mean, it, it's a whirlwind. You get called up and you get to tell your family, you know, you tell your girlfriend or your fiance or whatever, and you move all your stuff, you grab your hockey bag, and then bang, you're either on a plane or you're coming to meet a whole new group of guys that obviously are probably pretty intimidating guys, right? said if we, we're a veteran team, um, you know, they won Stanley Cups, we've been playoffs, and uh, I, I can just talk to When I got called up, you know, my first time is that you're just, just trying to focus on hockey, but there's just so much external stuff going on. Um, and then on top of it, it's like, Hey, you know, Hey, you only get so many chances here, you know, you better make the best of it. Uh, you know, and know, oh, oh, by the way, you're playing in a, you know, a new NHL arena, you're staying in different hotels, you're meeting new guys, you know, you're, you know, you've left your family behind. It, it's uh, so, I think it's just, you try and, um, you know, I think the kid's going to put enough pressure on himself. Uh, to perform. So I think, you do, you know, you just try and help them out. And guys got to understand that, uh, um, you know, the better he plays, the better we all play and, and the better we all look. So uh, I think it's just a benefit to to try and help help each other out in, in that instance. So.
2: Dowder, this isn't imminent yet because you got the Sharks on Saturday and the Kings on Monday on this West Coast trip. Uh, Nick's joining us from the uh, West Coast right now on Grant and Danny. But you're eventually going <laughs> to play the Bruins in, in Garnet and Orlaw before the end of this season. I just wonder, it's something you've done, I'm sure, a million times where you're playing good buddies. That might be a little bit different, though. Like, What is that like?
5: Yeah, that's, that's interesting for sure. I mean, I've been around long enough now where almost every single team I have a guy on there that I've played with or, or, um, you know, I don't know, been at a wedding with or, you know, something where it's like you have some type of connection. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, it can go a lot of different ways. That. I've seen guys get into it. I've seen guys tend to, tend to stay away from each other. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, Garney's uh, plays on the edge a little bit. So, um, you know, I got no question that, uh, you know, and he, he's, um, he's a tough player him and early. So, um, I don't think they're going to hold back by any means, but, you know, we'll be, I guess,
2: we'll be doing the same thing. So so let me I'll get my tweet. Him. I'm just making sure you said you're challenging him yeah. to a fight at center ice at the opening <laughs> puck drop. When yeah. I throw
4: him yeah. over the boards, I will complain that he never picked up the check.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'll be complaining about.
5: He didn't take me, out, take me out for a nice dinner. That's great.
2: Uh, Nick, thank you, buddy. We thanks, appreciate pal. it. It's been a tough week, but appreciate your candor.
5: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate
2: there is Nick Dowd with us on Grant and Danny for his weekly appointment. He's been outstanding all season long, brought to you by Main Street Bank. your local bank local, put our team in your office. Let's keep it moving. Michael Phillips, Richmond Times Dispatch. Michael, I want to start with Deron Payne, actual football stuff, believe it or not. Franchise tag for him. I get the sense the commanders still think they might be able to get a long-term deal done. I'm just not sure I'm buying that. He wants a lot of money. How do you see this playing out? I think they
0: have a lot of money, and I I think that I consider the franchise tag a down payment on, hey, look, we're going to have new ownership. New ownership's going to want to do something. Uh, We're going to try to convince them to give you a lot of money. So, yeah, I I, I would see it happening more towards the start of training camp as opposed to, like, Wednesday. Uh, But I I am absolutely not ruling out the possibility. I think Ron Rivera wants to get it done.
4: Michael, you, you cover this team. I think you speak Rivera very well. Um, a lot of times when and when I'm I'm the oldest person here on the show, when when the younger people, especially Ryan or like Grant or Darius, will use a term and like I don't know what it is, I have to go on urban dictionary. So maybe you can help me here. I feel like this is what happened. What's the difference between a starting quarterback and a QB one?
0: You know, I I just I, I can't get too wrapped up in this, Danny, because I I mean as I look at this like how many quarterbacks in the whole league, like know they're running out of the tunnel for their team week one this year it's just it's so far away like people people want to say like oh he's declared the starter like it's immutable like football happens between now and then I I mean I I can't see any scenario where he's not the starter week one but I understand why he doesn't want to say into a microphone this guy's our starter week one when you know any number of things could happen guys could come on the trade market you know things could shake out in a weird way you never know what's going to happen but I just between all the lines, he's the starting quarterback of this football team.
2: He's the QB1 QB of one. this football team. I really yes. <laughs> <is>. Okay. <laughs> he's also yeah, the only QB is. under contract. <laughs> Michael Phillips is, of the Richmond Times
0: Dispatch. Starter, yes.
2: <laughs> so how sure are you that Dan Snyder is selling? And when do you think he sells if he does?
0: You know, all along I'd said I think he sells at the, the league meetings coming up at the end of March. And I'm, I'm prepared to move off of that. Target now, with with all this going on, I still think he sells, and I still think he sells before week one of the twenty twenty three season uh, I, I don't there's another league meeting at the end of May where they could knock it out then, um, but I, I'm still firmly in the camp that believes Dan Snyder is selling the football team this offseason. I haven't seen anything to nudge me off of that
4: the thing that I want to know so badly and I may never know and it may never get to me maybe a, a documentary in, in decades I I watch the hell out of it in October Dan's at midfield with Jerry Jones arm in arm come at me bro right you want you want to come with the king you best not miss a month later Bank of America is hired I, I I I will I want to know so badly Michael what changed what changed? I mean, he's been on
0: the ropes for a while, and I, I think that was his guy. Like that was his one appearance this year, essentially. You know, that that was the guy who could save him was Jerry, because cause Jerry is a kingmaker in this league. Like, you know, no need to pretend otherwise. Like, you know, Jerry makes things happen in the NFL, and I I think that was that was the hail mary play at the end there. You know, save me, Jerry. Like you can do it. Um, Jerry Jones had those comments to USA Today towards the end of the season. Or well, with some perspective, you know, you got to ask: Is this a guy worth putting your neck on the line for, or are you sticking sticking yourself out for, or whatever? And, and I don't think it is. Um, that that tells me that Jerry was asked to intervene, and uh, you know, gladiator style gave gave the thumbs down instead of the thumbs up.
2: Michael, uh, we started the show with this. I, I am fascinated now by the Mary Joe White investigation, and mm-hmm. not only when it comes out, which everybody's asking. But I now believe that we have this all wrong. I think people think this is Wilkinson 2.0 and that it's some 300-page document on 20 years of workplace stuff and Dan's life story. And in fact, I think this is about two very specific things, and this is not in any way what everyone thinks it's going to be. Um, There's a couple of reasons I think this, but namely, I've been asking around, and a lot of people I would have expected to talk to her 13 months later haven't at this point. My question to you is, do we know what she's actually investigating? And why are we so sure that this is going to be such a big deal? Well, I I think the thing we keep losing
0: sight of, Grant, is that Wilkinson 1.0 was, was the bombshell. Like, yep. what was in that Beth Wilkinson report was enough to get Dan Snyder removed as right. the owner. That's why the NFL buried it. That's why we never saw it. And uh, the question I keep coming back to is, Man, like, the NFL has had so many chances to deal with this problem. And every time, they've covered for him. They've punted. They haven't done it. And it's time to face the music. It's time It's time to do this. And I understand why Dan is surprised now. Like, Wait a second. You guys aren't just going to cover for me again? So let me um, jump
2: in real quick because I get what you're saying, and it's all true, and I agree with you. But I'm going to ask this a different way because I'm not – I everything you said is true. What I'm saying is, though – I don't believe that Mary Jo White is being asked to do the same investigation that Wilkinson did. It's not a 2.0, I don't think. I think Wilkinson did that and crushed it, and we never saw it, and it didn't matter. And now Mary Jo White is essentially, you know, instead of 20 things that he did wrong, she's looking into one of them or two of them. And my point is, the thing that everybody wanted has already happened, and we're never going to see it. Am I crazy?
0: That's correct. And, And the other thing is... The, the specific financial allegations that Mary Jo White is looking into are intensely, intensely boring. they like, they just, it, it is bad radio. It is bad copy. Like that ESPN story the other day, that ESPN story was fire. There's just Don Van like raining fire from the skies. You, you you know, you open up the phone lines, like, ah, how come we didn't have the goods on Dan? Like, no, those are the goods. Like that is what the other owners care deeply and passionately and intensely about is the money and, and where the money is. Like, I, I I think we may underestimate how much of a bombshell these things are, but at the same time, yeah, Wilkinson 1.0 was was the show. This is going to be uh, – this is for an audience of 31, and, and they hold the votes ultimately.
4: Michael, you're the best, buddy. Always appreciate
2: the time. Take
4: care, guys. See you, pal.
2: Lengthy, but that was an enjoyable Beltway Blitz. Good content from everyone. Great insight there from Phillips on the back end. Good to catch up with Nick Dowd. Uh, speaking of players in this town, Dominic Smith, the new national, came over from the Mets, is scheduled to stop by for a few minutes, coming up on Grant and Danny. And Sally Jenkins is on the show today, Washington Post, longtime legendary journalist and reporter. She went to hard in the paint against Roger Goodell in the NFL, so we'll ask her about that coming up at five, a little over a half hour from now on The Fan. Taking you up to 6.30 tonight on Grant and Danny. On The Fan, we are live right now all over D.C. on your flagship home for the Nats, 106.7 The Fan. We're also live in Richmond. We thank our Richmond audience hanging out with us for another hour and a half down in the capital of the Commonwealth. The Nats are ramping up for the start of the season. In fact, opening day is now under one month away as we have turned the calendar into March. Wanted to start catching up with some of the big storyline Players on this ball club. And one of them joins us right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter to beat the Books. Download the BetQL app, visit BetQL.com. One of the newest members of the Nats who came over from the Mets organization, former first round pick, Dominic Smith is with us here on Grant and Danny. What's up, Dom? How you doing, man?
6: What's up, guys? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
4: Pleasure, bud. Uh here's what I think, and I want your opinion on this. I think you got a raw deal in New York. And I think you should have gotten more at-bats and been more prominently featured. So it's fair to say you have an extra grind against the Mets and you're going to have a huge season for the Nets. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, you know, I'm excited that the Mets did give me opportunity to go out there and uh, live out my dream. And, uh, you know, I had a, a good time over there. I learned a lot. Um, but obviously, you know, coming over here to this organization, um, I'm super excited to go out there, perform, show what I can do, and I play baseball. You know, that's all I ever wanted to do. Um, So the fact that I'm going to get a chance to go and do that, I can't wait to go out there and just have fun and kind of help this culture get back to what it was in in 2019.
2: We would like that. Uh, You're 27 years old. You just mentioned all you've ever wanted to do is play ball. When is your earliest memories of playing baseball, and then when did you actually know, like, I'm better than just being the best kid in my town. I I could actually – get drafted really high. Like when did all that start?
6: Yeah. Hey, I started playing baseball actually at the age of seven. Um, It wasn't the first sport that I played. I started playing basketball actually first um, when I was like four years old. And I actually come from a basketball like family uh, more than baseball. I'm the only person in my family who played baseball. So it's pretty ironic, but, Um, At the age of seven, my mom just asked me if I wanted to try a new sport, and I said, yeah, and it happened to be baseball. And from that day on, I fell in love with it. Like, I didn't play basketball anymore. I didn't touch football. And I just, you wanted to play that every day. And in California, luckily, with good weather, we got to play year-round. So from that age on, I played year-round. And probably around the age of, like, 11, 12 years old, um, I kind of knew that I was pretty good just because of uh, the fact that travel ball coaches and my my coaches in the rec league, they wanted me to play at a higher age group. So I would play like 13U, 14U when I was 11 years old. And I think playing up like that really helped me uh, with my skill level and just helped me develop a little bit faster. And, you know, from then on, uh, I just wanted to be a big leaguer So I I carried on with it. My family, my mom, my dad, they really pushed me to – you know, achieve these goals and, and without them helping me leading me in that right direction, you know, I wouldn't be a big leaguer.
2: New national Dominic Smith, the 11th pick overall in his draft class back in 2013. Mm-hmm. Were you one of the kids that was like traveling eight hours every weekend? I mean, it, the travel scene now is in, insane. Nuts. My kids are really yeah. young. So like they're two and three. Yeah. I got a, a girl and a boy, but through other friends, I've kind of experienced this. Like, did you have former big leaguers who were helping you in the cage, or were you more of like, yeah, I play Little League, I kind of get my work in when I can, and I just happen to be really good?
6: Yeah, um, I, I, I have a little bit of both. Um, luckily, in LA, um, Compton area, they opened up an academy. It was called the Hermes Academy, which is now the MLB Youth Academy, that a lot of big leaguers come back. And use the facilities. They hold camps there in the Dodgers and Angels, and uh, just organizations like that would come back and and have these different events. And that's where I really fell in love with the game. And during the off seasons for some of these big league guys and minor league guys, they would come back and work there, and I would luckily get instruction from these uh, individuals. And um, I, I feel like at that age, just kind of with like a cheat code. Uh, but I was also on the travel ball scene. Uh, I played. When I played travel ball, it wasn't every weekend. It was a couple big tournaments in the summer um, that you would go to, and it would be like a week long or two week long, and that was pretty much it. But nowadays, kids, they have the the luxury to go play every weekend. Um, I don't know if it's the best thing for kids, but, you know, it's fun. And I guess the kids love it, so it's hard to tell them what to do. But um, it's definitely a moneymaker. Um, I would suggest you know kids to just work on their skill, uh, work on their bodies, get stronger, and then when they get to high school, try to just be as competitive as they can be.
4: Dominic Smith with us here on Grant and Danny. You've played for a few managers now, and you get to know Davy Martinez. How long yeah. does it take you to kind of get used to a manager's style before you feel comfortable?
6: Yeah, uh, it's still something that I'm learning, but Davey is super uh, transparent and his communication skills has been, you know, one of the best that I've been around. Um, and from day one, um, he's been pretty uh, straight to the point and open and what he wants me to do, and uh, I appreciate that. And I think his door – not I think. I know his door is always open, and he talks to us every day. And um, he, his personality is very um uh, but he, he gets on us about things too as well. So, I think it's pretty fun to have a manager like that. He's the player's first manager, and he looks out for us. I mean, as you guys can see, you know, I got hit by a pitch, and, you know, he's one of the first ones on the field and got me out of there make sure that, you know, I'm healthy. So, you know, it it goes to show that he really cares about his players and his guys and uh, makes you want to run through the wall for him.
2: What pitch did you get hit with?
6: A little fastball, a a little 90, 95. Plus, 95. You know, on the so much
2: on the kneecap. Yeah. I'll bet that. Yeah. If it was a breaking ball, I was going to ask, did you really get hit by a pitch? <laughs> but yeah. that one hurts. That one stays. It hurts so much. People don't yeah, understand, one,
6: dude. Yeah, that one stung a little bit, but it's a part of the game. You know, I know. They're not out there throwing at me.
2: Dominic Smith of the Nationals on Grant and Danny. So, from a role standpoint this year, is the expectation mm-hmm. for you that you're going to play first every day? Do you think you'll play some left? Is there some kind of a platoon thing going on? Or how, how do you see uh, this going? Because you actually hit yeah. lefties really, really well here recently.
6: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, from what they communicated with me, they want me to be ready to play uh, every day, um, whether it be first base, whether it be a little bit of dh Um I haven't gotten any work in the outfield yet, but I've told them that I'll be ready for anything. And, you know, I'm an athlete. I want to contribute to the team um, in any way. Um, so I will do some outfield work. I don't know if I will get into a game in spring training, but – I just want to be ready if anything happens, but I know for sure they want me to be ready to play first base, um, pretty much every day. Um, obviously, you know, some tough lefties here and there, maybe, you know, get a break, but, um, uh, for the most part, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, being in there, being ready to compete.
4: Let me write that down willing to do anything, shortstop Dominic Smith. We'll see. Let's just see what yeah. happens. <laughs>
6: you know it. You know it. I'm all for the team. <laughs> I'm sure, man.
4: What's, been, what's something that you would tell yourself? Go back to when you're 22 years old, breaking in with the Mets. The guy that's been around now a little bit, played for a few different managers, et cetera. What would you give advice to 22-year-old Dominic Smith?
6: I think I would just tell, you know, my younger self to have fun and enjoy it. Um, I think, you know, this life. In general, it just flies so fast and it flies by, you know, and we have these memories. And sometimes I think that, uh, you know, we're our worst critic and we're so hard on ourselves. And I think, uh, you know, I would tell myself to just have fun, enjoy it, and keep learning, which that's what I've always done. But just enjoy it because, like I said, it goes so quick. And before you know it, um, you'll be out of the game. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do now. Um, I'm still having fun. And I'm just trying to just enjoy every moment um, because it's precious. And, you know, before you know it, 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 it's gone.
2: (laughs) I've got some rapid-fire get-to-know-you questions I wanted to end the interview with, if you don't mind. Ready? I'll ask you a handful, then, Danny, you jump in with whatever you got that's Mm -hmm. left over. How far can you hit a golf ball?
6: Uh, 300 yards.
2: That That that
4: sounds good. I would not surprise me. believe that. Uh,
2: Favorite road city?
6: Oh, it was D.C., but that's my home city, so I I will say L.A. Are you just buttering us up? Are you doing like a a WWE-type thing? No, I'm so serious. I'm so
4: serious. Love it.
2: (laughs) Favorite
6: comedian? Oh, uh, Dave
2: Chappelle. Oh, that's a great answer. That's a good answer. Uh, Your food contest meal. You have to win a food contest or you die. What food contest uh, food are you eating? Oh, I'm probably
6: going to eat baby back ribs.
4: That's a great answer. Now, are you a dry rub guy, or do you want the wet sauce to the point that your whole face looks like you're in a war?
6: I want them smoked and dry rub. That's all. I just dry rub, no no sauce. I want to taste the flavor.
2: Ballpark that gives you chills, if any do, or that you just feel the coolest when you're playing there?
6: Probably in Boston. Every time I step there, I feel like it's just a different energy there. Because you feel like it's
2: 1906. Right, like, so. I should come Probably out there and be so. like, "Hey, Dom, look over here, <laughs> Wise Guy. I've got the camera right here. Tell everyone back home you said hello." <laughs> no.
6: <laughs> no, seriously, and like the ballpark is so like it's just very old school, so it feels like a fake game, but it's it's everything that you imagine when you're out there in the field.
4: So uh, Tony Gwynn, one of the all-time legends in in the game, used to openly like he hit everybody. Like he would smack Randy Johnson's slider the opposite way for a double. Like you just he's ridiculous. But he used to talk yes. about he would go. I can't hit Donovan Osborne, like a journeyman jag lefty that like was barely hanging on. Who's your yes. random guy that you just can't touch?
6: Oh, man. Um, that's a good question. Oh, man. It's a... Uh I, I, that's that's a good question. Well, the easier back.
2: one, in the interest of 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 radio, I guess, to move it along. The easier one might be, who do you own? You probably know the yeah, answer. Give me to a that.
4: give me a stud that you that you have a deed to. I, I, I can't.
6: I don't want to put people <laughs> out there, because then I'm gonna be on their bounty. But I will say, <laughs>
2: give us their initials. I will sir.
6: say this: I haven't got a hit off of Shirley yet, so he's definitely on my list this year.
2: I will now be okay with that. Yeah. There was oh, a wow. time. It it,
4: there, the reversal. There was
2: a, there was a multiverse of another time it. where you were at the plate yeah. and Max was pitching and I desperately needed you to swing and miss. But now. Yeah. I'm rooting for. Now yeah. I want you to hit that bomb. In favor Go ahead. of it. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> exactly. and Army crawl to exactly. first, cartwheel to second. You do whatever you want yeah. to do.
4: <laughs> if you, were, if you, you weren't playing. I would
2: definitely enjoy that.
4: If you weren't playing baseball, what would you be doing? I would be a chef.
2: Chef Dom.
4: Like, what sort yeah. of cuisine? Like, like fine dining French cuisine with, like, fancy words and, like, a lot of silent L's? Like, what kind of stuff?
6: 100%. 100%. Like it would be, we would have uh, some French onion soup on the menu, yeah. we will get salads, and, of course, great steak frites and all things, steak you know. Steak
2: frites. Some so,
6: escargot. you know. Well, we'll have some fun.
2: So, do you actually cook, or is that just what you would have been into if you had time?
6: Uh, I could throw it out a little bit. I could throw it out. I could dabble. I could cook. Well, we're we're going to call you Chef Dom on this show. Chef Dom. That's perfect. That's perfect.
2: If you see him at the ballpark, shout shout him out. Welcome him to D.C. The chef. He's the chef.
6: The chef. The chef. I I need a chef hat now for BP.
2: (laughs) There you go. Dominic, we enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. Thank you so much for hopping on the show, and uh, welcome to the district, man.
6: Oh, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Granted, Danny, this was awesome. I can't wait to uh, talk with you guys. Soon.
2: Appreciate Sounds you. Sounds good. Go, go hit yourself a bomb. There's Dominic Smith, newest member of the Nats. Sounds like every day, first base and DH. I think so. It, telling
4: you, he hadn't gotten any outfield work, by the way. I, I thought maybe, you know, once a homestand, you'd see him just to sort, of, sort of supplement mix and match. Sounds like first base DH.
6: He made a great play today, too. There's a highlight going around. He made an awesome was play. Was it on diving. television? Yeah. It wasn't on television. Oh. But, yeah, <laughs> oh.
3: awesome play.
2: Supposedly it happened, right? There's he's a great – no dude, he's a sick athlete. Video. This is the thing. Like I, I reiterate this all the time, and I over-talk about this. When you were a first baseman in high school, you do not get drafted high. He was drafted in the first round. He played first base in high school. That doesn't happen. And when he was drafted, all the people at that time I was doing draft shows for MLB Network Radio, they said he's the best defensive first baseman out of high school in, like, decades. The dude is an exceptional athlete. Got to get him to swing the pole a little bit, but he hasn't had a chance to just play and be left alone. So let's see what happens. I think we will hit. Sally Jenkins, top of the hour from the Washington Post. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. ...in studio, and I couldn't believe my eyes. Ron Rivera was being interviewed on NFL Network during the NFL Combine. I was stunned. Ron Rivera doing a nationally televised interview. Yep,
4: very limited. No, 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 no. not limited. Not your media...
2: unlimited access, Ron. <laughs> not your media exposure. Ah, uh-uh, not this time. <laughs> you said this earlier. It, it, we joke a little bit. It is actually a great strength of his, and it's not nothing. It's not belittling, or or I don't think, to to talk down to some of his strengths. Part of why you bring in a guy like Ron Rivera, I would imagine, is to get some benefit of the doubt, is to have some credibility nationally. People love this guy. It reminds me a lot of Dusty Dusty Baker. Baker when he was here in DC, and like the national columnists couldn't come to come through town, couldn't wait to come through town. And to just hang out with Dusty and and write their column about how awesome he is and his story about inventing the high five. And uh, he played with this guy. And did you know he sells wine? And did you know he plays the piano? and uh, He's the most interesting man in the world. Like, everyone loves Dusty. And they should. He's a really cool guy. Charming. Everyone loves Ron. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. What I care so much about is success on the football field. And he was kind of Mr. Charlotte, Mr. Carolina Panther in that town. They went to a Super Bowl eventually. But they had some success that we have not had here yet. So there's nothing negative. There's nothing against his process of doing his interviews and being on television. I just don't care about the PR game. I don't care about the very public-facing, I'm Rich Eisen's buddy, I'm this guy's buddy, I know him from my time here. None of that helps me win football games. I don't need a guy that's going to do all that. Let's pick some good football players while we're there. Seems like they did a good job last year. Let's do a good job again this year, mm-hmm. and let's go have. And this is crazy. One of those things called a winning season. Whoa, whoa! For the fourth time in thirteen tries. That's you know what I mean? It's been a minute.
4: Yeah, I mean, listen. It, it does sound like it does sound like we're belittling, and I don't want to speak for you. I'm to me like give me Mike McDaniel, a guy that's going to be like a little bit, a little bit awkward, maybe in an interview or two. But is a genius, is a savant, is, is sitting there like thinking of plays in his sleep that are more sophisticated and cooler than anything anybody else is doing. Like I'll take that. But what Vera's biggest strength is is whether you want to call it EQ, whether you want to call it you know emotional intelligence, you want to call it his ability to relate. He gets out there and grinds through this stuff. It's a lot to ask. It builds He's, relationships. He builds relationships, and and it basically at this at this time in in this football organization's history. You actually need this kind of steady hand, right? If if it was just a normal head coach who's got to answer questions about ownership stuff and about lawsuit stuff and about name change stuff and and the reckoning of 2020, COVID things, like a lot of people would have folded under that. That was his time to shine. That's that's where he's at his absolute best is like dealing with
2: people. And it, it matters. How many NFL head coaches annually go to the Super Bowl for the Radio Row car wash of interviews? Less than a handful, I'd say, right? I would say in a good year, maybe three or four. And some years one or two. And and it is a it is a routine for him. Now, that's not to say he shouldn't do that. That's great. Go go build those rapports and those relationships. And I think from a commander standpoint, it can actually be greatly beneficial if you're Jason Wright or anybody within the organization because again, it, it just gives you some benefit of the doubt. They want to have a chance to get a little respect that when something goes wrong, because this is not a perfect job it's not a perfect industry you get what the Ravens get Mm -hmm. can you imagine if Washington was the one with the Lamar Jackson saga going on right now they'd be getting killed for not having Jackson under contract the Ravens are well-running people like how they do things so they're just getting the benefit of the doubt Washington doesn't get that so if you have enough guys around like Alex Smith who everybody likes or Ron Rivera who everybody likes maybe you start to get some of that but I'm not taking my eyes off the prize which is to say it's time to win football games it was time previously. We wow. still have it. <laughs> it's past time. I'm smacking my watch. It's still time. You, you don't get just a bunch of years. to. And to his credit, he said right away, we didn't want to hear it, five years, five years, five years. We're going into year four. They had a, a 500 record based on a, a meaningless Week 18 game for two teams, essentially, as it played out for Dallas last season. You're basically talking about losing football for three years now. I, I need better. Yeah. In this interview, just a couple of notes, and I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I'm seeing on Twitter, uh, he discussed that the draft is deep in his opinion in both the secondary and in the offensive line. He also apparently said they're looking at defensive line depth for Duron Payne insurance. He commented that they wanted some competition for Sam Howell this offseason and that uh, I guess when asked about how they thought he was a second or a third-round type player, not a fifth-rounder. So we'll grab that audio and play some of it as we go on today. But some of what came out of uh, his time on set with NFL Network. Let's talk to Sally Jenkins next. She writes for the Washington Post, a renowned columnist. Uh, she thinks Roger Goodell's got some questions to answer after Don Van Nata's story that he okayed a $55 million credit line and loan for Dan Snyder that Snyder shouldn't have be able, been able to get without signatures from his minority owners. We'll ask her about that next on GD.